Hello, you people. Hello, you people. Hello, you people. Welcome to the Motley Soup Podcast. I'm Nate. I am Ken. And uh, tonight's going to kind of be a Motley Lady episode of the show. You're the star tonight. I'm the star. You're the star. I'm just here to record this and listen. And probably react. Well, I hope so. I do. I'm going to give you a bedtime story. There you go, people. About somebody's shit storm. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else's dumpster fire. Somebody else's dumpster fire. All right, I like it. So I don't really remember how I stumbled across this story, but I started reading it and then I couldn't stop, you know? And I thought, oh my God, this is the best story ever. Like, actually, it's, it's a really quite twisted story, but just... But I guess because it wasn't me, I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, that mm-hmm. poor lady. But we're going to get into that. So her name is Pauline Daskins. It could be her pen name. Daskin? No, das- oh. Daskin. <laughs> I'm sure it's Daskin. I don't know if it's Daskin, but I think it's Daskin. All right. But um, I I'm, don't know if that's her pen name or real name. doesn't matter. So we're just going to call her Pauline. So she was a 70s child in Vancouver. Okay. She had a brother that was a couple of years younger than her, and of course, her parents, which are Warren and Ruth. So, Warren was a successful businessman and a heavy drinker, alrighty? Ruth, they didn't mention if she was like a worker or anything. I'm guessing since it was the <coughs> 70s, she might have even been a stay-at-home mom since she was married to a successful man. They didn't say. But I guess because of her husband being a heavy drinker, he was also abusive. Mm. In, yes, in those times of being drunk and such. So eventually, she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to pack my kids up. I'm going to leave, right? Okay. So one day, they all went on a little vacation. By all, I mean Ruth and Teddy and Pauline, not Warren. They went on vacation and... And when they got there, she said, all right, kids, we're not going back. So now they're in Winnipeg (laughs) on vacation, quote vacation, Mm -hmm. except they're moving there. Okay. Okay? So that was kind of the last straw. You know, she's like, well, you know what? I'm going to make it seem like I'm just, I'm coming back. That way there's no hassle, no, no huge fight. Nope. Nope. They just, whatever belongings they had in Vancouver, they just left them. That's what they had. They were done. So... As an explanation to the kids, she said, quote, Sorry, I can't tell you right now. When you're older, I will tell you. All right? That's mm-hmm. it. So the kids have no idea what's going on. They have just been migrated from Vancouver to Winnipeg, which I understand was quite a bit of a distance, you know. Mm-hmm. That they don't have any contact with their father. They're, they're just there. Okay. Okay, bam. You know? What? what, what? All right. So... They started this strange thing with the family, okay? So I guess she had, that Pauline had had to move to schools several times as I was reading through it. She mentioned many places that they moved to along the East Coast, the West Coast of Canada, and so forth and so on. I'm not going to touch on all those places, but the understanding was is that she had attended six different schools within like... A matter of a few years, okay. you know. So we'll say four or five years. So they're hopping around quite a bit. So they're they're moving around quite a bit. So it kind of raises suspicion. You know, their dad is a successful businessman. Is he hunting them? We don't know. You know, like we don't we don't know what's going on yet. We just know that these poor kids have been dragged all over Canada. All right. So Pauline, their mother, had met. 
Stan, which was a minister of a support group of, uh, like, families who had been, I guess, suffering from alcoholics and, you know, like, I'm guessing mostly husbands that were alcoholic and abusive kind of a deal. Right. So she's going to this, I guess, therapy in at a church somewhere, and he's counseling Ruth, okay? So what they also thought was kind of strange is everywhere that they moved, the Stan guy was also with them. Like, it was kind of strange to, to Pauline as she's telling the story. So, we're going to move forward a little bit. Stan's moving. So, Stan, Stan, is, has Stan been, is hopping with Stan him. is... Okay, so let's back the train up just a second before I move forward, I guess. So, Stan is married. He's not moving in with these folks. He's just moving with them. Like, wherever they go, Stan seems to be near them it's 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 very it's a very strange thing for a child to be like okay so we left this guy back in this city and yet he's here in in this countryside you know like what what's the correlation here so we're going to move on to this 1988 all right we're out of the 70s we're in the end of the 80s and pauline is 23 she's graduated from whatever university she went to she's working at a local newspaper and her mother just randomly calls her and says that, okay, she's ready to explain all of these strange things that have been happening. You know, I, you know. so the strange things being, there's a bunch of stories in between which we're going to clear up. But right now, the only strange things we know is mom picked, packed up the kids and moved. There's this guy named Stan that suddenly appeared into the picture and he's Stan, everywhere they are. Stan the man is with them everywhere they go. Stan the man is everywhere they go. Um, they, they don't really talk a whole lot about Teddy through this story. I don't know if he has his own little story. I didn't read that. I just read Pauline's. But, you know, there's just a lot of strange things that have been going on. So, Pauline had met her mother outside of a hotel where Ruth slipped her a note. So, I'm guessing they're, like, in a parking lot or the cars or something, but she slips her a note. And the note said, don't say anything. Take your jewelry off. Put it in the envelope. I'll explain. Just don't talk. What? How weird is how weird would that be if if your mother gives you hands you a note outside of what I'm guessing it's a sketchy hotel. Maybe it's not. My brain goes straight to sketchy. Right. It says to put your jewelry in an envelope. Don't speak. Blah blah. blah. What? What is this? You know. <laughs> okay. First one of the, the episode. <laughs> Great. Not even halfway through. <laughs> It's a nervous burp. So her, yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Oh, God. So her mother <laughs> takes her into the, to the motel room, all right? So Pauline is a bit surprised to see Stan there. Stan the man is at the hotel. Stan the man is at the hotel. At the, okay, yes. Yeah, so Stan the man's at the hotel. She's got jewelry in an envelope. There's obviously no cell phones happening right now or anything like that. But Stan and Ruth both told Pauline that for the past 16 years, they have been on the run from the mafia because... Pauline's family had been a target because of Warren. All right? Mm-hmm. So the story, of course, is Warren is a successful businessman, so he's part of the mafia. Oh. Oh, my God. So, so what? For, first things first, mm-hmm. nice twist. Yeah. Second, second thing. Oh, it gets better. Second thing. It gets better. I wonder if the mafia up in Canada is like, forget about it. <laughs> Anyway, side note. Cute. So that's that's why that they've been moving around a lot, and all these strange things have been occurring in their life, you know. Um, But I guess Warren had been involved in an organized crime, obviously. So um, she was told that she couldn't wear the jewelry into the 
to the motel because it needed to be tested for bugs. Okay. So there is this fear that somebody's always listening mm. to them. And that's why they were so super cautious about her taking any kind of, you know, valuables in that could be possibly bugged. This is the life she's living right now. <laughs> could you imagine not knowing what the hell is going on in your life and then all of a sudden being told, your father's in the mafia, we've been moving around to get away, and you can't wear your jewelry right now. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't know where it came from. We don't know who sold it. Oofa. Where it came from. Who gave it to you. So there's this explanation behind all of this, of course. So Stan is explaining how it all started when he, you know, he had been cance- counseling uh, a mafia kingpin who wanted to turn his back on his criminal past, okay? So when the mob discovered that this man had broken their code of silence, he, um, well, they pretty much assassinated him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, my understanding of the story was that Ruth was the secretary at Stan's church. I didn't quite... There was, like, a little bit of a mixed understanding, I think, because I I read another article, and it said that the kingpin's wife was the secretary. So, I just don't know if there was just, like, a mix-up of information between the articles, because I wanted to get as much information on this as I could. But... The, the main one I was reading is I understood it as Ruth was a secretary and they felt like she had been, she knew too much and she'd become a target. Makes sense? Yeah. You know, her ex-husband or the husband that she left is in the mafia, blah, blah. All right, cool. So <clears throat> she was then told that each of them had somebody like following them around, keeping an eye on them from a distance and that these people were trying to protect them from attempts of kidnapping and poisoning and they what these people do is they intervene to keep them safe so whenever stan is told that the family's not safe you know they can't keep up with it you know or something that's when they move so that's why they moved a lot so stan really is the man stan is the man (laughs) for now so yeah we're we're gonna get deep into this all right so the there is also a government-sanctioned task force. So Stan explains that there were, like, they call it a shadowy community. And there's towns and villages in different parts of the country where people who had been targeted by mafia could go into protective custody. And they call that the weird world. The weird world. The weird world. Because, you know what, that makes sense. That's like, well, how could you name that any better? Like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And remember, this woman... It's just, she's learning all this all at once in this motel room. And she's probably like, what? She's swimming in confusion. I know I would be. I'd be just swimming. I'd be drowning in it. So, I also listened to a podcast that she was being interviewed on. A Pauline, she, that's what I meant by. So, on the podcast, Pauline had stated that Stan had explained some of the other odd occurrences that it went on um, with, with him personally. So there was one event where he was in the hospital with these horrible wounds after horseback riding. Well, she found out that he was horseback riding, but he was shot. Oh. Yeah. And that they had also, all of a sudden, had to stay at his house. Like, very suddenly, they just packed up, like, on a, like a school night kind of deal and just went to his house. And she also said that that night, there was these strange noises coming from the basement, um... Almost like someone breaking in or, like, fighting somebody down there. And he had explained that 
that was actually the mafia breaking in and the fighting was the agents that were protecting them were, you know, fighting them off. But when she was a child, she was told that it was just a dog, you know, just, mm. a, just a dog wrestling around, being noisy or whatever. So, <clears throat> so I guess Stan was already living in one of these like safe haven, these communities, and they call it a place of hope. And he said that his wife, you know, wanted to go on the inside, which is like the weird world, I guess, is the working parts of the weird world. That's what they called going inside. But she was living alone in there, all right? So Stan hasn't gone in. The wife is already there. And I'm my understanding, too, is that Ruth wanted to go inside. You know, like, so her mother wants to go in. You know, his wife is already in there. He's not going yet, I guess. So they're basically trying to talk her into going into this place to be safe. So Pauline has a boyfriend. You know, she's got, she just graduated. She's got a job. You know, there's a lot of things that she'd be leaving behind if she decided to go inside, quote, inside. So, <clears throat> there are a lot of other factors, of course, that made her not want to go in. She, I don't think she had any children or anything at the time. So, you know, she didn't mention that. But uh, Stan and Ruth both told, told, uh, told uh, can't talk, Pauline that there were... There, were a, there was a chance that they could even be finally together. So now she's also learning that Stan and Ruth have ha- had a relationship. Stan's married, but he still has a relationship with Ruth. So that's why they all want to go in together to be one big happy family. Oh my. I know. They, so. they didn't mention anything further about his wife after that, except for, like, I, I don't know if he wanted to separate her and it, from her, I didn't know if they he wanted to have an open relationship. That wasn't mentioned. I'm sure in another one article it was mentioned, but not this one. So yeah, you've okay. Let let's back up and kind of review what we've learned so far. Daddy's a drunk in the mafia. Stan is a minister that's married, but may or may not want to, may or may not want to be in an open relationship with her mother, which scooped up her kids and moved far away and has moved them all over that country for the last forever, okay? She thought her life was together when she graduated, got a job, and got a boyfriend. No. It all came crashing down right in front of her because she learned all of these these agents and these attempts at killing them, and it's it's just a wild ride for this poor woman, okay? Alright, so. Pauline spent... The, the weekend at this hotel, listening to all of the stories from Stan and Ruth, okay? And I actually wrote down a few of them. So, some of the other odd things that had happened while she was growing up, which they had other explanations for, of course. So, um, like the time when she came home to find her mother throwing away all their food in the fridge. Like, every single bit of their food. Right down to the condiments, you know. Mm-hmm. And the story at the time was the food had gone bad. So Stan explained that they had received word that somebody was trying to poison them. So because they didn't know what was poisoned, they threw all the food away. Which would make sense. Makes sense. But, you know, as a kid, you're like, well, why would anything go bad? Like she even said in in the interview on the podcast was, well, things like mustard don't go bad. You know, not like that. Right. So it's But everything was thrown out because they didn't know what was tainted and what wasn't. And there was a time that her and the family had gone hiking in the middle of, a, like, a school week and stayed overnight at a mountain cabin. So people had apparently been coming after them, and Stan told her that that's how the, 
they were able to protect them by getting them away for a day or two. Hello, kitty. Hello. And then there was a day where the family had skipped school to go bowling. And at this time, they had to come home and be rushed through the house. And they were told to scrub their feet in the bath. And made to wear, like, plastic bags over their socks. How weird. Weird. So, the reason for that is they were told that there was poison sprinkled throughout the home. So, that's why they went bowling at, you know, pretty mm -hmm. much. is because they can... They just had to scrub up and leave, and then the house could be cleaned. 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 Isn't that wild? You know? Wild. Wild ways to kill people. I know. <laughs> it's like, how? That's... Sprinkle a little poison over here. Sprinkle a little poison little over here, there. Little over there. But they, they didn't know. poison on the They didn't know where switch. it was put. Right? They had no idea where it was put, so they are just like, don't touch anything. Wash your feet. Get the hell out. So, New smidge of poison from Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> You're awful. So before she left this hotel, I haven't even left the hotel yet. We're just now getting that point. She was given a, a transistor radio. <coughs> and he said that it um, has a, a broadcast function so that Pauline could send a, a call for help, basically. So if she's ever attacked or if she, doesn't, she feels uneasy with something, she could call... And then they would send help to her right away. The other thing about that was, though, is that she was told that if she really believed that her life was in danger, that's when she should use it and the only time she should use it. Because the people that will respond will literally put their life on the line for her. Okay. So, so the questions that I had that I couldn't get explained, and I don't think there is an explanation, is... Who exactly are these people? Like, I know that they said that they were government-sanctioned people, but these people are just up and protecting this family. No, it's probably something like the FBI here, I assume. But why this one family? Like, do they do this for other families, too? I uh, mean... Well, it sounds almost like a They have a community. Protection. Yeah, but they... I don't know. It just... It kind of blew my mind. So this they, is apparently how witness protection um, works in uh, Canada. Canada. Well, I don't know. I don't know how that works. But, and, I mean... What in the United States? They basically move you, change your name, and be like, yeah. "All right, stay low, stay low, stay low." Sorry about your luck. <clears throat> so she, well, there's another burp. It's burp two. Burp two. So now, Pauline is consumed with paranoia. All right. Well, wouldn't you be? Rightfully so. Honestly. Probably. So she's constantly looking over her shoulder. She's paranoid about the people around her and the cars. And she just, she feels like she, she everything is bugged. Like she, she said that she had started making escape routes for like her home and other buildings and at work. And that she got rid of her phone because she was afraid it was bugged, you know? Like super duper paranoid. She was afraid to go out to eat because she didn't know who was preparing her food. You know, mm -hmm. which I, you know what, again, rightfully so, be, be a paranoid, but you went this long with, you know, eating out and using your phone and things like that. And you've never had a problem. But you know? without the knowledge, of but, course Right, without the knowledge, but, not, you know, but we'll move on. So more alarming information came from Ruth and Stan about the weird, weird, oh my God, weird uh, world. world. That's hard for me to say. Including the news about the people who 
Um, they knew weren't really people. Okay, so follow me here. According to Stan, there are duplicates of all these people. So everybody in her life could potentially be a duplicate, and the duplicate could be good or bad, pretty much. So they have these... They're not clones, they're just people that have were explained to have like, extensive surgery and spent many hours watching video of this person to imitate them to make you believe that that's who they were, you know? Wow. Oof. I know. But that was the explanation. So that they had, um, I believe there was a, a story about what, at her wedding, at, um, not, not Ruth, but Pauline's wedding, you know, there was, like, her sister and her mother were there, but her mother was like, how, how could this not be, you know, her, well, it would be her aunt, I guess it wouldn't be her sister, I'm sorry, how, how can, the, how can this be your, you know, your, your, not your aunt, because it looks exactly like her, you know, just right down to the eye color, the hair, the way she talked, the way she acted, you know, everything about her seemed so true that it was hard to believe that she could, was a duplicate. She was told that she was a duplicate, but she didn't, she had trouble wrapping her head around it. So even Pauline thought the same thing about all the other people that showed up to the wedding, like, oh my god, how are these duplicates? They, they look exactly, they act exactly like the originals. And where did the originals go? So, there were other situations where this, these, these people, I guess, come around you during your childhood and they kind of get involved with you a little bit more, but you don't know that, again, you don't know that they're duplicates, and they kind of phase in and out, so you think you're hanging out with your friend, but it's not your friend, it's the duplicate. Isn't that wild? I, I know, it's it's espionage, you know, it's crazy, it's absolutely crazy. But again, you don't know if they're good guys or bad guys, you don't know who you're working with here. So Polly and her mother receive dozens and dozens of letters from these people inside of the weird world, okay? And the other thing that she was told is that her father, for example, is now in a top secret prison that's within one of the the weird world that, that community and there were letters being sent to her from him from prison and all the letters had you know were handwritten they looked authentic and they were they even had included stories that they shared from the past so could you imagine not knowing who you're talking to in real life like am i talking to my friend or am i talking to a duplicate of my friend you know, are you the good version or are you the bad version? Your dad is in prison in this weird world and he's writing you stories. But you've seen your father outside, but you know it's a, you know it's a duplicate. How big of a mind fuck is that? I don't even know what to say. I know, you're just like looking at it's, me like, excuse me? It's like X-Files you don't shit. even know what to say. I, I, you know, I don't think I've ever had any situation where you didn't have something to say. It's like X-Files shit. It's like... So let's take a pause before I break into the deep shit. Okay. Do you have questions? No. No? Not, not that you can answer. Not Well, I mean, maybe. Maybe there's something I left out. No, like, I oh, get, I read I've, that somewhere. I've, I've got... I've caught it all. Okay. So... Okay, now we've come to the part where, you know, Pauline's married. She left her boyfriend, by the way. The other boyfriend. She married another guy. So... 
we've come to this point where she's broke up with her her boyfriend. She is now married. She's moved to Nova Scotia. She left her job as, at the local newspaper. She is ready to go inside with her mother because she feels like she'll be safer there. And every time she is told that she's it's ready for her to go in, there's intelligence that's gathered where Stan is told that the they don't have a, a good sense about her coming yet. It's not ready. And she also talked about how that they were preparing her home. Like, they had a home already for her. She got to see pictures of it. She got to choose, like, the wallpaper and the carpet. She just, you know, she pretty much got to... So what I don't understand... Create this life... I guess I do have a question. Okay, great. I don't understand what is the difference between this... What they were doing, traveling around... Yeah. And this inside. How is that safer... (laughs) Because than the, what my, they were doing before. My well, that's the thing. My understanding was as they went inside, it was kind of like way, way off the grid. The only people that knew about it were the people that were on the inside, and they had to be careful traveling people to the inside because if anybody's watching them, they're afraid they'll get followed. Which is why that kept kept holding her up from getting inside because she was being watched. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is, well, if everybody's all together, a little bit easier for us to keep up with y'all, you know? Unless it's a duplicate. Unless it's a duplicate. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. I wish I would have had a burp then, because I'd have been like, burp, 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 burp. That would have been great. But anyway. So, so. We're going to fast forward a little bit, you know, to about 1993. Pauline still isn't inside. She is confused about all of this stuff still. She's paranoid. She's worried. And she decided she has spent all these years in feeling threatened constantly that she decided that none of it made sense to her because she couldn't rationalize any of it. She challenged all of this chaos. and, And I was so excited to read this part. You have no idea how exciting this was to me. So, she called her mother and said, someone broke into her house. You know, big things happening. Someone <coughs> has broken into her house, okay? So, her mother hangs up with her and calls Stan. Stan made it clear to both Pauline and Ruth this whole time that they should never go to the police because they do not know if... They could be trusted. You know, they don't know if they're talking to a real officer or a duplicate, right? So they were told to never, ever, ever go to the police. And if there were any strange happenings going on in their lives, always trust Stan and he will reach out to the proper people, okay? So this is where the plot gets crazy. So Stan had a device implanted in his wallet and it would receive transmissions in Morse code. And she was telling a story she remembered as a kid. You know, he like they'd be in the back seat, he'd be in the front seat, and he'd be holding his wallet, and he would be writing notes down because he would be getting these little transmissions in from his wallet in Morse code. All right. So that's a little bit of, like, the backstory to this wallet, this special wallet with a device in it. So she calls her mom, of course. Her mom's like, oh, my God, hold on. Let me get a hold of Stan. So Stan 
like a little bit later calls her mother back and said that they had picked up two people down the street from where her house was earlier that day because they were taking photographs of her and her home and certain things around her house. Well, you know what? Pauline made that up. No one actually broke into her house. No one. She wasn't actually in danger. She wasn't threatened. She called her mother and made the whole thing up just to see what would happen. So later she found out that Stan had made up this whole thing. Years and years of stories completely made up, fabricated from his imagination. Isn't that wild? Including the shit about the dad? like and, even. Well, the, okay, the thing about her dad being a drunken bastard, that's true. Everything after that, not true. The Stan guy... So, from the moment her mother Ruth met Stan, all the stories Stan told her were not true. Isn't that the wildest <laughs> life you've ever heard? So from the, well, I don't remember, I don't think I have how old she was when, when they left. Maybe I do. She was five. I'm sorry. She was five years old when her mother took her from, um, from their home. And then now it's 1993. So she has seriously been in her her and her mother have been in the shadow of Stan since a young age they've had strange happenings in their life they've had such crazy wild adventures and it's all because of this man and his imagination and his imagination could you (coughs) I mean just just think about that for a minute you have gone through an entire lifetime of strangest occurrences that, you know, as a kid, you're probably like, oh, but every family goes through this. Every family has to scrub their feet and put bags over, you know? Like, there's so many strange stories that I, I was I heard and read from her, and I thought, oh, my God. So was this guy just doing this for kicks, or? He, he, he thinks that it's real. No, oh, he thinks that it's actually. He's delusional. Oh. That's. And, but his mother... It's literally the blind leading the blind. Yes. So, and, and her mother, I say his mother, her mother believes him too. So it's basically like he found someone that, I hate to say she's weak-minded, but he found someone that... It's a cult of personality exactly, thing. That, that would be willing to follow him to the ends of the earth and believe everything and hang on to all of his stories. And because... They were true to her. She tried to make them true to her daughter. Now, again, I didn't get the side from Teddy. You know, there, I didn't get to read that part. I don't know if he was just like, I'm peace out, y'all. I've graduated. I'm moving on. You know, I don't I don't know what his side was, but I would, I would be very interested to know what stories he remembers from their childhood because I bet they're wild. She wrote a whole book about this. You know, mm-hmm. which I got to read the first 42 pages, and that was about as far as I got before my books on my phone were like, nope, sorry, you ran out of free space. <laughs> like, dang it. So I just thought, you know what? I can't complain. You know, I can't complain. It, this, this woman lived her life in fear for so long. 
living under the delusions of a man that her mother loved. And none of it was real. Like, she had no truth to her life. That's awful. That's wild. Like, I'm not calling, I'm not calling this stand guy a jerk, because it's not like he was mean to them. He just lied to them a lot, you know? But, and there you go. There's your, th- your, there's your fine line. Was he lying? You said he believed it. He believed it. You said he thought it was true. He thought it he was, was insane. He was delusional. <clears throat> they there was actually I think they called it something. It's some sort of psychiatric term, but they they call it something, and it's it's very rare. But I'm gonna call it delusional because I don't remember. But he wasn't like mean to them or anything. But still, it's like wow, she traded this guy who was abusive for this guy that was. <clears throat> created imaginary mafia world. He did, and for them to and it was, it was. It, I mean, it's very, it's wild. Where because if you think about it, he, you know, of course, he made up the device in his wallet. Who thinks of things like that? He made up these weird worlds and these communities and these um, government agencies and all the like the potential life threats and he moved he literally moved himself and another family all over Canada you know it's madness <laughs> madness I don't know I think it's crazy but it is crazy it is crazy it's fascinating but yeah she wrote a book about it and I would have loved to have got some more stories but those are the stories that I got from articles and listening to the podcast where she was interviewed so Fun times. Yeah. Actually, I think the podcast was like a BBC kind of deal. Like, it was from BBC, so it wasn't like it was some random... Yeah, it was like random. a tabloid. Yeah, it wasn't some random. It was BBC, so... It wasn't the National Enquirer podcast. Mm. Like, we're, ta- I, we're talking to this girl, and up next, Bat Boy. Actually, I think that's that how I found her, is I was reading an article on BBC, and it popped up, like, related to what you're reading, and I'm like, okay, what the- oh, this is fun. This is... <clears throat> Wow, this is fun, you know? That just kind of got me. It really got me. I, I, it took me forever to read it because it was a lot. It was a lot of information. So I tried to condense it as best as I could. Well, thank you for taking our listeners down the wormhole. I hope you enjoyed that that bedtime story. Night-night, I guess. <laughs> it's 10 p.m. It's about my bedtime. Well, you don't know when they're listening, but whenever you're listening. Well, right now it's 10 o'clock on June the 6th, so there's that. Whenever you're listening... This can be your bedtime story, or your nap time story, or your breakfast story, or your lunch story, or your run story, maybe, or your biking across South America story. Yeah, maybe biking across South America. Yeah. All right. I mean, maybe you should listen to it like on a lunch break or something, then go back to work. But like, guys, there's this crazy story, and and listen to this podcast, and listen to it. We're just gonna play it while we work, and you're gonna listen to this story, and get all your friends to subscribe to our podcast. Yes, and join our Facebook group. Yeah, and have some fun. And have some fun. We do have fun on our little group, don't we? Thank you, Stan the Man, for torturing people so we could have a story. Well, I don't want to say he tortured anybody. He didn't torture them. He just gave them a very lively life, I guess. Very colorful life. I'm yeah, I'd say. Yeah. I don't want to I don't know. They didn't say anything bad about this guy. Like he wasn't a jerk, so I don't want to be like, yeah, he's a jerk, but he definitely uh led these people along for a very long time. 
Yes, ma'am. They were victims of somebody with a mental illness, for sure. They so, sure were. They sure were. <coughs> oh, third one. <laughs> it might have actually been the fourth one. I've kind of lost count. Mm-hmm. After two, I quit paying attention. Round it out with a third burp. And we'll say our goodbyes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. See ya. Stan. <laughs> But you still ain't calling I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom I sent two letters back in autumn You must not have got them There probably was a problem at the post office or something Sometimes I scribble the dresses too sloppy when I jot them But anyways, fuck it What's been up, man? How's your daughter? My girlfriend's pregnant too I'm about to be a father If I have a daughter, guess what I'ma call her? I'ma name her Bonnie I read about your Uncle Ronnie too, I'm sorry I had a friend kill himself over some bitch who didn't want him I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan I even got the underground shit that you did with Scam I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man I like the shit you did with Rockets too, that shit was fat Anyways, I hope you get this, man Hit me back, just a chat, truly yours, your biggest fan This is Stan
This will be the last package I ever send your ass. It's been six months and still no word. I don't deserve it. I know you got my last two letters. I wrote the addresses on them perfect. So this is my cassette I'm sending you. I hope you hear it. I'm in the car right now. I'm doing 90 on the freeway. Hey, Slim, I drink a fifth of vodka. You dare me to drive? You know the song by Phil Collins in the air of the night about that guy who could have saved that other guy from drowning but didn't? Then Phil saw it all, then at his show he found him? That's kind of how this is. You could have rescued me from drowning. Now it's too late. I'm on a thousand downers now. I'm drowsy. And all I wanted was a lousy letter or a call. I hope you know I ripped all of your pictures off the wall. I love you, Slim. We could have been together. Think about it. You ruined it now. I hope you can't sleep and you dream about it. And when you dream, I hope you can't sleep and you scream about it. I hope your conscience eats at you when you can't breathe without me. See, Slim? Shut up, bitch. I'm trying to talk. Hey, Slim, that's my girlfriend screaming in the trunk. But I didn't slit her throat. I just tied her up. See, I ain't like you. Because if she suffocates, she'll suffer more. And then she'll die, too. Well, gotta go. I'm almost at the bridge now. Oh, shit. I forgot. I'm supposed to send this shit out. I think that you'll be doing just fine if you relax a little. I'm glad I inspired you. 